Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us and how you're listening to us. Thank you for making the Sports and the World podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Hope all of you are well and safe out there. And how are you, my man? Good. I'm good. I, uh, I get to have one final, I told you so, of the, uh, the football season this year. Yeah. Well, at, at, well, you know, at the expense of certain people who wear zebras. But, you know, we're not, we'll, we'll get into that when we – We'll we'll get there when we get there. But all in all, it was, uh, you know, good Super Bowl. You know, very interesting. I think the game kind of the, – the the script kind of went a little bit differently than what most expected, especially especially defensively. Both defenses didn't do the greatest, and I, I'll get into that as well. But we're going on the back end. But let's just jump into it. Your thoughts on Super Bowl 57 and – everything else about it you know uh like you said it was a fun game to watch it was it was cool um there were definitely some great plays uh definitely great to see some some uh young players really make a name for themselves you know like Darius tony uh i think he made a huge impact in that game for the kansas city chiefs i think devonta smith with the philadelphia eagles also uh, uh etched his name in greatness um, but I'm going to circle back to what I said from the get-go. They gave the game to Kansas City against Cincinnati. They gave them an extra down. They gave them opportunities. They gave them penalty yards. And I said on the, the episode before the Super Bowl, I said, don't be shocked when Kansas City wins because of the health of, of the men in black and white, the Zebra crew, the 12th man, whatever we want to call them. Um, that game was within reach of, of Philadelphia. And I think that last holding call was detrimental to the outcome. But on the other side of that coin is you have a Philadelphia team that had a double digit lead that blew it. And you can blame referees and things like that, but when you have a large lead and then you turn around and lose it, you know, I mean, you, you can't you can't be upset when it, when it's all said and done. Um, you look at the score going into halftime. Uh, it was it was it looked like Philadelphia going into the halftime routine uh it looked like philadelphia was gonna walk away it was it was 24 to 14 they had a 10 point lead um and then they just turned the brakes off or or they pumped the brakes you know and they they got off the gas in the second half and that allowed kansas city to come back and score you know 20 points in the second half when which gave it the inevitable uh win of uh 38 to 35 so, I mean, there, there are a lot of things. So, I know there's a lot of pissed off Eagles fans uh, in, in, in retrospect. And, oh, you know, it's, uh, it's bullshit and it's uh, this and that. And it's not fair. And, and you're right. It's not. It was, that was a craptastic call. But at the same time, you had a 10-point lead going into halftime and you lost it. And that was before. That was, I would say, the only real uh, – uh, 
kind of questionable call. The rest of the game, they let him go. They let him play. You know, there were some holdings. There were some things that, you know, uh, that were a little quite. But at the end of the day, they just let the boys play. Uh, that last call, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I hate being right on things, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, I was right on some things. So I'm going to hit you with that. I told you so. But, you know, more importantly, uh, you know, the Chiefs didn't turn the ball over. You know, the Eagles did. Jalen Hurts, that, that fumble by Jalen Hurts, that was kind of the, the trip down the staircase, and it just kind of only got worse from there. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts was running around like crazy. I mean, he was the leading rusher. You know, not only did he throw 304 yards of the touchdown, he also ran for 70 yards and scored three touchdowns on his feet. So Jalen Hurts put in the work. Devonta Smith put in a word. I mean, he got 100 reception yards. A.J. Brown got 96. Dallas Goddard got 60. Uh, the work was put in by the Eagles. But at the end of the day, they they lost it because they lost their lead. That, that played a, a massive situation, I think, where that's what failed the Eagles is them allowing – Kansas City to come back. You got a double-digit lead. You better hold on to it, and you better keep going on it and don't let up on the gas. Every time we see it, every game, whether it's this Super Bowl, or I know it's a touchy subject with Ladarius, but with the Falcons when they play the Patriots, if you take your foot off the gas, if you give just a little bit of breathing room, you're going to allow the other person to succeed. I mean, look at uh, – uh, you can translate that into almost any sport baseball. You let somebody hit a couple good, you know, uh, base hits, and all of a sudden, a guy like Aaron Judge or back in the day Frank Thomas or or whoever walks up to the plate, puts a ball over the fence. That one home run now just got turned into a three to you know three run or a, possibly a grand slam. You look at mixed martial arts. You literally, if you allow someone to breathe, they can come back and beat you. We've seen it where guys have started softening up in the ground game, and then that that fighter that was getting essentially getting his ass kicked turns around and ends up winning the fight because that, that other fighter gave him an inch. And at the end of the day, this is essentially what happened here is that, that Philadelphia gave an inch and Kansas city took it a mile with the, uh, a little bit of assistance at the end there, but all in all, it was a great game. Uh, I liked it. It definitely was one of the better Super Bowls I think that we've had the pleasure of viewing and I definitely like to see all this youth. You know, this is a real changing of the guard. We're not seeing the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's or the, the Eli Manning's or uh, the Drew Brees's. You know, we're seeing new young blood come in. And, you know, I'm sure we'll see Philadelphia again in a situation like this. You know, I'm sure we'll see Kansas City in a situation like this again back, back in the big game. So definitely looking forward to all that. On top of that, the commercials, pretty solid, you know, quick nerd moment. Uh, the Flash released their uh, uh, official trailer. That movie looks outright amazing. The new Adam Driver movie, 65, looks pretty good. Of course, Guardians of the Galaxy dropped a cool trailer. Uh, and then even the halftime show. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased. It was very, very hard to top last year's halftime show. But after kind of reevaluating it, uh, the fact that Rihanna was out there pregnant as shit, out there doing her thing, uh, you know, hats off to her. I know that probably was not easy for her. Uh, I definitely thought there was going to be maybe a couple of accompaniments because there were some songs she had uh, with, with Jay-Z and, and Kanye. 
know maybe not putting Connie in the spotlight's a good idea just for health and safety reasons for him and well the rest of the general public. Um, but it was a, it was a pretty solid halftime performance. Uh, the the Super Smash Brothers looking riser level that was pretty cool looking. Uh, all in all, I was I was happy from start to finish. And of course, Chris Stapleton on the on the national anthem, man, that boy's got some pipes. And that's been Chris Gooden's half Super Bowl wrap up sponsored by insert sponsor later. Um, well, what I will say is this. I'll circle back to all of that. But I, I want to go back to the crucial point with that penalty. Now, I'm not going to disagree. I think when it comes to this situation here, I agree to disagree in, in this respect. Where I understand that they blew a lead. I get that. But the difference, and this is coming from me, the Falcons fan here. The difference between 28 to 3 and what we saw in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 57 was that there was no crucial call. Matt Ryan didn't have the, the Falcons offense in a situation similar to that of the of driving down the field and potentially costing us a, a, a game costing penalty. Because penultimately even though here's what here's to me what makes the situation bigger. We can't ignore the fact of that call because Chris, it was third and eight. It was third and eight in the red zone. We can question whether that was a catchable pass that was thrown to Juju or not. We can we can debate that all the live long day. But the reality is, it's not justifying that the Eagles blew a double digit lead. Now I. Those who know me, I'm, I don't make excuses. Even for my team, I don't make excuses. But the, in that situation, let's just say that's ruled an incomplete pass. Chiefs kick a field goal. You're leaving under a minute, no timeouts. There's a shot. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts drives down the, the Eagles down the field and – leads them to a, a field goal, go to overtime or a game-winning touchdown. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is people are upset at it for the wrong reason, if that makes any sense. Me, I'm upset because of the fact of how crucial the – if that was if that was on second down, Chris, I wouldn't care. First down, wouldn't care. But it's third down, Eagles defense made a stop. And then notice how delayed the flag was. Notice that it was not an immediate flag and it was not an immediate flag. And all of a sudden the flag is thrown and everybody knew like, Oh, it, it's, it's gotta be on the Eagles. And to me, Chris, I've said this about officiating in any sport. If you don't call something, if you don't call a particular play or excuse me, a particular call of that nature in the regular season, you don't do it in the postseason. You call you call the game as if you just call the game. You just call the game down the, you know, you, you just call it the way that it, you you would normally call it, even though it's a Super Bowl, Chris. It's the biggest sport in the, but you call it. If that was a regular season game, Chris, that's not getting called. That's not getting called. And that's what, and that's to me, that's why I'm upset. I'm not upset at the fact that, oh, the penalty cost the game. No. I'm upset the fact that sometimes, Chris, you got to swallow that flag and sometimes you got to swallow that whistle. Because using your baseball analogy, 
I don't even remember back Armando Galarraga with the Tigers, who almost had that perfect game, who had, was one out away from getting that perfect game. And Jim Joyce, the umpire, was right there. It was the first base umpire. Everybody in America Park knew the guy was out. But what did Jim Joyce do, Chris? He called him safe. It changed the complexion of not just the game. It changed history. Because how many times, Chris, have we seen a perfect game in baseball? You don't you, you, you don't see it often. That's a situation where you could be equally upset with Jim Joyce because he screwed a kid out of a perfect game. But I don't believe in the Super Bowl, the call and screwed the Eagles. My point, Chris, is you don't call it because you know you wouldn't call it in the regular season. It does not justify the Eagles giving up double digits. Because, listen, last time I checked, listen, that Chiefs defense, they were playing a little bit like Cheeks, too, looking at Jalen Hurts' stat line. They let Jalen Hurts, Chris, they him get three rushing touchdowns. So let's not – so we'll say, oh, the Eagles defense was terrible. Last AD, anyone check on the, the Chiefs defense lately? Because, Chris, statistically, you look at Pat Mahomes' numbers, 21-27, 182, three touchdowns, Chris. The 182 is the lowest, the fewest passing yards he's thrown in any playoff game in his career, including Super Bowls. And they still won. So Pat Mahomes didn't have to be Pat Mahomes because he had the offense was more balanced. But going back to my point about the call, people are upset at it because all oh, the referees screwed it. No. Now I joked on Facebook it was the Montreal screw drive. It, it kind of felt like it. But the reality is. Eagles fans are upset. Pe- Eagles fans should be upset because of the fact of the down that happened. If that was second down, Chris, you throw that flag, you're pissed, but you're not super pissed. Because that third that third and eight becomes fourth and eight on that incomplete pass. Bucker comes out, kicks a field goal. Eagles still have the ball, no timeouts. And I don't like playing hypothetical, but now – Fans, some people are forced to think that well, Jalen Hurts would have went down. There. I'm not saying he would have or not. I'm not saying that. My point is, when it comes to officiating, it's about being consistent. And in the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, no matter the sport, it's consistency in what you call. Because in reality, Chris, even though after the game, Bradbury said, "Oh, oh I admit, no, 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 BS." No, you were t- because you didn't want to make the official. No, in reality, that's not getting called in the regular season. But to call it on the Super Bowl on, th- on third and eight, and how de- Chris, it was how delayed the flag was. It wasn't like um, like an immediate like oh well, yeah, it's a penalty. No, it was delayed. That's what caused people. Oh man, the, the Eagles are getting. I said I'm not upset. And I'm upset at the down that it happened. If this was second down, wouldn't care. But the reality is, Chris, I think it took some people feel it took away. I don't it, it didn't it took away a, a great deal of it, but it didn't take away from being a great game. And I and I think that Jalen if you if you listen to the Eagles press conferences after the game, Chris, you know the one thing that they didn't do, Chris? They did not use that call as an excuse as a loss. No, they, they, they owned up to it. They, they definitely owned up to that loss. And they took accountability. Even though it was easy, 
It was super easy. I think Cam, when Cam Newton played with Super Bowl 50, and you remember that play where Cam Newton, where the ball was on the ground when they were playing the Broncos, and he didn't want to dive for the ball. He didn't want to get, you know, and dive for the ball. And it kind of felt like he was kind of, I'm like, that's different. I said, Dallas Cam Newton created an excuse. This Eagles team did not create an excuse. They took the loss. And to your point, Chris, they're going to be back because a they're young. You look at their look at their roster, Chris. One of the younger rosters in the league. And to do what Nick Sirianni has done in his second season is pretty impressive. And that's why coaching matters. And you hear me say that ad nauseum how important coaching is. Jalen Hurts from year from year two to year three made that third year leap, and they're going to be bad. Patrick Mahomes. His legacy continues to grow. He has multiple MVPs and multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Kristen, there's not a lot of guys walking planet Earth that can say that. Chris, there's not a lot of people who can walk around and even say they have multiple Super Bowls as a quarterback. So Pat Mahomes is on this game was a legacy thing for Pat Mahomes. He's 27. He's well ahead of the pace of what Tom Brady was at 27. Well ahead of the pace. So that's my takeaway. And before we before we jump into the other stuff, I do want to talk about Rihanna, the halftime show and stuff like that. Like to your point, it's it's hard to top the halftime show from last year. Nothing that's like primo, that's like comparing the picture, that's like comparing the Mona Lisa. All right, you nothing's gonna really you're gonna be nitpicky. But for what Rihanna did and people were watching, oh yeah, she's the what they're doing, she's pregnant. But even that. It was banger after banger after banger after banger. And people on social media, as they always do, oh, oh, this was not, I'm like, listen, shut up. And I, and, and I got into, I put this on Twitter and I'll say it right here, Chris. I said, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of people who can say they have hits after hits. Rihanna's one of them. Like when you, you can pop up and listen to a Rihanna song, just like that, everybody kind of automatically knows it. I'm not saying that lessens Beyonce or anybody else, but Rihanna had hit after hit. And to your point, I said, I hope to God they don't bring out Kanye. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know about Arizona and the security there. I'm not sure you had to get state state patrol there. <laughs> you had to get all you had to get local and state, probably federal to get there. Because I was like, oh, don't play that song. Don't play it. It's like don't don't, and I'm like, we play all the lights. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I hope he, I hope he's at home with his with his new wife. Don't don't, don't enjoy your nuptials, my guy. Don't don't go out there. No. Even with Jay Z, I'm like, I would have liked to see Jay Z out there, but Jay Z's like, well, if I didn't perform with my wife, you know, when she did, I'm not doing reality. I don't want to cause friction in that house because it's gonna be eliminate all over again. So it's gonna be Becky with the good hair all over again. I should say. <laughs> and then with the commercials, I don't know. I, I like the Flash. I, I did love that. I, I'm, I'm I like Adam Driver as an actor. I like that movie as well. But one of my personal favorite commercials was <laughs> the Ben Affleck and Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Oh yeah, that was great. And it was hilarious all the way through, and especially at the end, J Lo pulls him like, "What are you doing?" It's like, "Well, you tell me you're going to work. This is what you do," and it's like, it, it, it's hilarious. Because you, it, it, to me, 
I'll just say it's on a personal before we transition. I've always been big on J Lo and Ben. I've always because like I always say, always say, Chris, sometimes it if destiny and fate makes it happen, you come back together. Look at all the relationships they were in after they left, you know, initially, and 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 now they're back full circle. It, it, it's it was chef's kiss for me. It was primo stuff. And like I say, you know, like I said, Rayon, all in all, the Super Bowl was good. Listen, I don't know if we'll be talking about that call 20 years from now, but what we will be talking about is Rihanna. Because, listen, to do, and then, like you said, I I thought, I said, I don't have a, I, I don't have a gaming system in here. I got really confused, like, when they opened up and she was wearing the red jumpsuit. I'm like, wait a minute, it's super. Like, wait a minute, I didn't get, I didn't pick my character. I didn't pick Kirby or nobody. I'm like, lose, man. Yeah, I was like, I didn't pick Kirby. I didn't get to pick anybody. So I was like, what's going on? But all in all, good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, let's just shift right on in and talk about uh, talk about some coaching. Talk about Derek Carr as well. Uh, we'll start with the coaching. Well, the the two coaches, but one of them had stayed in Arizona. Uh, that's defense coordinator Jonathan Gannon. He was hired as the Cardinals' new head coach, defense coordinator. And Shane Steichen, a.k.a. a Dak Shepard lookalike, could go online and look at it because I, I could have sworn that I didn't, I didn't know Dak Shepard was a coach. Didn't know that. But it was always oh, still Shane Steichen. Okay, good. And he takes the, takes the Colts position there. And what I'll just say about both hirings is this. I think – for the Colts, I think the Colts are glad that it wasn't Jeff Saturday. I, I think Colts fans are happy that it wasn't Jeff Saturday. And from what I've read and from what I've seen, is that like like Jeff Saturday was legitimately probably the second candidate for that job. And and, and it's and it's like and I'm like because there were odds that he was. And but what happened? I think ultimately, I think it just boiled down to. It's just that I think Jim Irsay, like I said, you can be loyal to a fault. And I think he realized that he had to bring in somebody with some experience. I think the reality is, is that Jeff Satter is a good dude. No one's knocking him as a person. But, Chris, as you, as, you know, as we both know, there's good people, but sometimes they're not always the ideal fit for certain yeah. positions. And, we, and, and I think, like, I think a couple of like when we talk about certain coordinators, you know, like oh, they're good, but it doesn't translate to being a great coach. And I think in the case of Jeff Saturday, it's like if he wouldn't have gone one and seven, if maybe he would have won three, four of those games, maybe stronger consideration. But the reality is he went one and seven in the interim, and that didn't help his resume, I felt in the end. Now for the Cardinals going defense, I think I'm I'll be curious to see who Gannon brings in on his offensive staff. Because I always like to look at and see, well, who's the type of coach that they hire and the staff that they'll bring in. Just like for, for Shane Steich, if offensive guy, what kind of defensive staff that he's going to bring in there to Indianapolis and what kind of offensive staff is he going to bring in? Because you have to pick, you know, Kyler Murray, you, you're, kind of, you're kind of tied to Kyler Murray in the same way that Sean Payton's tied to Russell Wilson. And we talked about that previously. In you know, in depth, you know, a while back. So I think they're solid hires, but I'm going to be curious to see 
how the Colts look at the quarterback situation because they have a top five pick. I mean, essentially, if if we all go to the consensus, Chris, and feel that the best quarterback in this draft is Bryce Young, then are they looking at C.J. Stroud or looking at Will Levis? I've even heard Anthony Richards' name come up in conversations. And which, which trust me, I, I I went on Twitter. I'll say this quick story, and I'll get your I'll get your thoughts on the hirings, Derek Carr, or whatever tickles your fancy. But I was on Twitter, and I was asked about Anthony Richardson. You know, at Ladarius underscore Brown on Twitter. And and I simply said it like this, Chris, and I don't know if you agree. I said that essentially Anthony Richardson is really it's really hit or miss. Like there's no middle. It's where we've seen Anthony Richardson be great, but we've also create we've also seen him, Chris, not be so great. And people talking about well, comparing to Cam Newton, I say that's not a – I understand the comparison, but here's why I don't like the comparison. I don't like the comparison, Chris, from the perspective of – that Cam Newton statistically was a better passer in college in his, in his senior season at Auburn. You know, uh, you know, with Anthony Richardson, I, I believe he threw like 53 – he had a 53, 50, 54% completion percentage, which on the NFL – uh, a decent quarterback, even the Baker Mayfields of the world, can throw sixty percent. And and I simply said, and I've seen him, Chris, go as high in mock drafts as number nine to the Panthers. That's how high I've seen him go. Now, whether we think that's fair, I'll get your thoughts and whatever else you want to talk about. I'll turn it over to you. Is is that? Of these of the prospects, Anthony Richardson is literally he's going to be really great, or he's going to be just not so great. And because to me, Chris, I don't see a middle. If that makes any sense, I don't see a middle. It's where if you watch, we've watched him play. He's a he's a gator. We watched him play, Chris. So it's not like we haven't seen him play. But to me, I just really feel that. He's the type of quarterback where either he, he this guy has that Cam Newton s potential, or he's kind of milling around. And if you take the upside, I mean, you're going to be great at quarterback for the next decade, decade and a half potentially. But I'll get I'll get your thoughts on that, and the coaching hires or whatever you want to talk about now. But just get some of your thoughts on anything that I said, or or your own thoughts. Uh, so, with Anthony Richardson, I, I had this conversation with a couple people uh, last week that, you know, about his his falling, his landing. Um, I mean, there are definitely some teams that need quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't think they need Anthony Richardson. Um, I think that Anthony Richardson has all of the potential in the world, physically. The boy's an athlete. He can run. He can jump. He can, he can, he can do a lot. But, but, let me say it one more time. But he is not mentally equipped for the NFL. He struggled mentally in college. Um, as a quarterback, you, I think it's more important as a quarterback. You have to be smarter than stronger. 
Um, and that's been proven because you got guys like Drew Brees that aren't physically capable as other quarterbacks that have thrived. You have guys like Tom Brady who physically weren't – Tom Brady wasn't running a four-second 40, let's face it. Tom Brady didn't have the strongest arm in the NFL. He did have the brains. He was cerebral at the position. Peyton Manning is another prime example. Peyton Manning, when he ran, looked like a baby giraffe being born on ice, being chased by a wolf simultaneously. He just, just all over the place. Uh, when it comes, and then you've got guys like Cam Newton, who are so physically gifted, that could pass, that could run, that had, had the third eye for the field, but couldn't get it together mentally and mentally prepare for the game. And made poor choices, bad decisions. Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel, uh, Jamarcus Russell. You know, I mean, I could dig through all these physically talented guys that have came into the NFL that have immediately failed. And I think that's where Anthony Richardson falls. I think Anthony Richardson getting out of college and going into the pros was not. It, it, it just wasn't a good idea at the end of the day. I, I think it's it's bad for him as an organization. Uh, I think that it's I – just, I just think it's bad for his brand. I think he should have stayed in college. Um, if a team does gamble on him as a starting quarterback, I think they're going to be in trouble. Um, I think that the best-case scenario – best case scenario for Anthony Richardson that can happen is he gets drafted late in the draft to a team that doesn't need a quarterback today, but might need one tomorrow, the day after, you know, a year or two down the road. Don't, don't try to fill an immediate need today with him because you're setting yourself up for failure. And then the other problem is, is that most teams that need a quarterback this very moment don't have an offensive line. The Atlanta Falcons is a prime example. You can put any quarterback in the Falcons right now. They're not going to succeed well because Atlanta's offensive line is subpar. Uh, Indianapolis Colts, that's another situation there. Uh, Matt Ryan had so much potential for the city of Indianapolis. Matt Ryan could have done something there but they didn't put an offensive line in front of him. And when you're playing a, a young man's game as an old man, it never turns out well for you. And th that was shown. So with that being said, I, you know, with Anthony Richardson, someone's going to make a mistake on him and draft him early and it's going to cost them. I hope that it doesn't. I want to see the kid succeed. I wanted to see him succeed in Florida. If you rewind back to the very first episode that we did this season on the on the podcast and and the preseason hype and then the the conversation we had after week one against Utah you would think that we're talking about the Anthony Richardson from then and the Anthony Richardson right now were two different people that had it had to be two different people there's no way it couldn't have been the same person unfortunately it is he has no doppelgangers no body doubles he's not like Saddam or no Mark Gaddafi or Kim Jong or whoever else got a body double around the world. Uh, he does not possess that. And I think he's going to be in a hard road ahead of him. I hope that he improved on a lot of critical skills like decision-making. That's what, that was his weakest point in accuracy. Like you said, 
even does in the NFL, like Baker Mayfield, are throwing 60-plus percent, and he's uh, at, what, 50, you said, Ladarius? He's at 50, I, I think it's like at closer to 54. 54%. Okay, right. it's only 60. Um, so that's the situation there. So um, I guess we'll see in a few months. Uh, April is right around the corner. Uh, as far as the coaching carousel, um, you know, Jeff Saturday, um, well, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, you know, and then, of course, with uh, Sean Payton going to the Broncos, I was reading an article this morning, and I, I can't validate this, but apparently the Broncos have reached out to Rex Ryan in a capacity as a defensive coordinator. Uh, the man can build the defense. Um, we all know how well it works when, when analysts go back to coaching. Yep. So, again, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, and I'm sure that there will be more shakeups and stirrups before uh, this is all said and done. So, we'll, we'll see on that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. This is this is this is this is breaking news on the show. Yeah, I know. Oh, Derek Carr. I'm sorry. I was I was thumbing through my notes here. You know, with Derek Carr being released, so this is the best case scenario that could happen for Derek Carr. Honestly, in 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 all honesty, because he's still getting paid from the Raiders, not mm-hmm. doing his damn thing, and then he can go look for another job. He's getting paid to go look for another job. I don't know a lot of a lot of companies that'll do that. Typically, when they say we don't want you anymore, uh, you get you get the pink slip, and, uh, and that's no more pay. Um, and now a team isn't going to have to buy that out because they released him, so they're not going to have to buy a contract. It's not going to affect salary cap. Um, you know, so that that might open the door for a, a more opportunities for him. And I think that Derek Carr may be waiting to see where other quarterbacks land. You know, or other opportunities. You know, could there be an opportunity that, let's say, Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay? Could Derek Carr now go to the frozen tundra and go be a Packer? I think that he's going to be in the same situation in Green Bay that he was in in, uh, in Las Vegas because Green Bay's defense isn't up to par. And I, and I think that has been Derek Carr's biggest shortcoming as a quarterback is the defense that has been on the same team as him because their quarterback has got their car has gone and thrown for 4,000 yards multiple seasons. The dude puts numbers up. The problem is, is that he makes a lot of mistakes because he's essentially trying to, to put 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag and play catch up the entire time because his defense does not provide for him. His offensive line is, is, one small step away from from full on failure, so he's running around like a like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to dump the ball out. And then the problem with that is, and we saw it this season, is that he tries to get rid of the ball because he doesn't have a choice, which then jeopardizes the health and safety of his own players, i.e., Hunter Renfro. That ball should have not been thrown to Renfro, but Renfro did what he was paid to do, went up and grabbed the damn thing, and next thing you know, out like a light switch, and he's out for a couple. Um, you know, so there are opportunities, you know, if let's just say Aaron Rodgers says, you know what, I'm done in green Bay. I want out of here. And he goes to New York to the jets. Does Derek Carr go to the, uh, uh, 
Green Bay. Does somehow Jerry Jones make an intelligent decision and decide to part ways with Dak Prescott? I think Dallas with a Derek Carr is a different Dallas than a Dallas with a Dak Prescott. I, I we know how I feel about Dak Prescott, and and I he is not the man. Um, <sighs> See, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you think? Interject. What do you think? I, I don't know. Here's the thing. the The, the real question is. Is do do I think that Derek Carr is an upgrade from Dak Prescott? I, in reality, the way I see it is Dak Prescott and Derek Carr. I, to me, and I'm not listen, listen. I'm not a big Dak guy. I mean, before you joined me on the podcast, I mean, I I dedicated a great deal of my show about Dak Prescott and, and the contract. He's your Ohio State is what you're telling me. Well, you could say Waterloo too, but the point is, whichever whichever historical perspective you want to look at it, he's either my he's either my Ohio. Listen, for the fine folks of Ohio, you're good people. I, de- I got him back on board. I got him back on board. I got it. 2024, I, I got to get my, I got to get situated. But anyway, but to me, Chris, the I think Dallas has no other choice but to stick with Dak because of finance, financial. Yeah. Because the reality is when you create a list of guys better than Dak, you can't get those guys. Like you, you're, you can't get Pat Mahomes. You can't get Joe Burrow. You can't get a Justin Herbert. You can't get Jalen Hurt. You can't get those dudes. So I always say when you give these contracts to quarterbacks, you you it comes with a buyer beware situation. The reality is, Chris, I kind of feel that if you I, I would I would take Dak only because when I see Derek Carr, I felt that if you put Derek and I think most of that's not his fault why I go with Dak. I think you could make a case that a lot of great quarterbacks have, have had to deal with very average defenses. Like, go, I mean, look at it this way. When have we had a team with a very, like, look at the Eagles this year. Like, good quarterback, and the defense was great until the Super Bowl. But let's go historical, Chris. We talk about great defense. Look at those Ravens defenses. Was the quarterback great? No, it was called Trent Dilfer. All right. You look at the, the great 85 Bears, great team. Jim McMahon, average K-capable guy. So you some teams either have to settle for having an elite quarterback, having an elite defense. And Dallas is, seems to have gone with an elite defense. Now, all Dak has to be, Dak does not have to be elite. If Dak's elite, the Cowboys are a Super Bowl team. But the reality is Dak Prescott is average, above average at best. And sometimes, I think he's Chris, average. I don't even think he's above well, average. Well, here's, here's why I say a little bit above average, Chris. Because well, I think Dak can do some things. But he, like you heard me say, you could make a case for it. I didn't say you could make a case for it. But Dak is just a middle-of-the-road guy. Derek Carr 
is a quarterback that can get you to the playoffs, but you give him a team with a good defense, i.e. the Jets, then I can sit there and go, you're giving me Derek Carr, you're giving me Garrett Wilson, you're giving me Brees Hall. Like, that's not bad for a quarterback, running back, receiver, triumphant. That's not bad. So the reality is, and, and to answer your question, I think they're the same, they're the same, but Dak slightly because Dak in reality, let's face it, Chris, Dak plays in a conference where there's not many elite quarterbacks. Like Derek Carr, look at this, Chris. Derek Carr in his own this is in his own division, Chris. He's had to he has to compete with Pat Mahomes twice a year. And like and then he had to compete with the best quarterback in football twice a year. Probably one of the best young quarterbacks in the league, Justin Herbert. And Russ, uh, well, we'll be right back. But the point is, is Derek Carr, was he, was Derek Carr the best quarterback in his own division? The answer is no. The only reason why Dak was, people saw Dak better than, and you heard me say on the show, you, I, I, I defended and said Jalen Hurts was a great quarterback. People were like, oh, Derek. No. I watched tape. I I can't think. I said Jalen Hurts is, is 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 up there with Dak, but people went with Dak because Dak can do this. No, the reality is, Dak Prescott makes mistakes in big moments. Okay, he's he's the equivalent. He's like an A Rod. Okay, get Dak in the regular season, great. Dak in the postseason, be like, oh. Oh, Chris, he threw up all those passing yards. And look, he against that Tampa Bay defense. Listen, everybody in that stadium had one foot out the door. All right. So, you know, like Tom Brady was already planning his trip to Cabo. He was done. The second half, he was just trying to do it and make sure the check cleared the account. And he did his obligations, did a little press conference, and he got out of there. He knew he was done. But when you face a real a 49ers defense, we saw kind of exposed. That's that's the deck the Dak Prescott that we all know. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, I, and, and I think the reason we put a button on this, when we talk about quarterbacks, people are like, oh, we'll trade Dak. Listen, Jerry Jones had to pay Dak, and this is what I kept saying. Joe, Jerry Jones had the opportunity to trade Dak when Dak was at peak value. Like we look at stock. When Dak was peak, that's when you sell. But what did Jerry do? Jerry thought that his peak was higher than what it was. And as a result, he had to pay him. And teams are around the league are like, we're not giving that money to that type of guy. Even if you're the Ravens, you would not dare listen to a deal for Lamar Jackson for Dak Prescott. Unless you're unless you're forking over some draft picks, yeah, because there's no way you're going to take Dak over Lamar. People say, "Oh, that's controversial." No, it's not. I keep having to explain to people that, and it's on the internet. You can Google anything else you want. Lamar Jackson was an MVP in this league, and there's p- still people trying. I, I and I'm still trying to convince people. That he's better than Dak Prescott. Oh, there's the playoffs. Stop. Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback on a terrible team. 
He's yeah. not a, a good quarterback with a bad defense. He is, let me say it again, he is a great quarterback on a terrible team. He has yeah. nobody. It is yeah. him and Mark Andrews on offense. That's yeah. it. That's it. Their defense is beyond terrible. Their offensive line, it's pretty much him and Mark Andrews playing backyard football against a professional organization. Um, yeah, and like you said, the big difference is Lamar Jackson has an MVP and Dak has None. Yeah, um, he's an MVP. He's a Nickelodeon valuable player. So yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, he's an MVP. You know, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and just a real quick thing on with Derek Carr. Now, mind you, too, this is the first season in five years that Derek Carr has not thrown for over four thousand yards. Yeah, I can't say that for Dak Prescott. So I, I get what you're saying, but I think that the edge, I think truly. I think that Derek Carr is better because he has done more with less in a harder division. Because as I'm going to use a term that you like to use, the NFC East was quote straight cheeks. Uh, I'm waiting for that check. That checks. Get it. You know, get that money. But in the grand scheme of things, the NFC East has not been good. This is the first year probably in a long time that they've all finished 500 or above. Yeah. Um, most times they're all in a negative record. I, I even think two years ago, uh, whoever slipped into the playoffs from the NFC East went in with a losing record. Yeah. Uh, then you've got the Oakland Raiders, now the Las Vegas Raiders. They play a grueling schedule out west there. There are, there are some tough teams that they're stuck facing every single week in, week out. And let's look at the talent that Dak Prescott has around him versus the talent that – I mean, Derek Carr did finally get a superstar receiver – with uh, Devontae Adams. But then the problem is, is that as soon as he came on board, all the other players started getting hurt. And then when you know there's only one wide out, well, you can throw him in double, triple coverage, and he ain't going to get the ball no more. Exactly. And again, the Raiders also just refused to, to really get the help that that he, that that uh, that Derek Carr needed. So for him to want to get out of the organization, number one, good for him. Number two, I'm pretty curious to see because, I mean, Green Bay is an option. Uh, I, I still think New Orleans is on the table. Um, I definitely think that the Jets uh, are, are on the table for Derek Carr. Um, I, as a Jets fan, I honestly wouldn't mind that. I think that would bring the consistency at the quarterback position that we need. Our defense held in a lot this season and definitely won us a couple games. And when same thing as we like revert back to Anthony Richardson, when Zach Wilson's dialed in, the kid can play. But the chances of him being dialed in are are too inconsistent for my comfortability, and I think the comfortability of uh, I'm hoping the New York Jets staff, and that's why I maybe bring in a veteran like Derek Carr to put this kid on the bench, have him learn from Derek Carr, and then maybe in a couple years get him back in that starting position. We get Derek Carr's, you know, make, make the money off of him and look at a possible playoff run. You know, look at it. Even if we get in a, a, as a wild card, I mean, we're playing in a tough division. The Bills are still great. The Dolphins have drastically improved. And then that's another spot where I think that Derek Carr can possibly land is in sunny Miami. I think that Miami has to make a decision with Tua. He is yeah. too fragile to play. That man is like one concussion away from being Muhammad Ali. 
without all the titles. <laughs> and I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm not saying anything that is factually incorrect. No, 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 no. Nobody's saying you're wrong. Senator. You're just shaking your head in disgust. I, I always, I think for those who are listening, if you see, I shake my head so much sometimes I, I, it's hard to sleep at night because my neck hurts. But I'm just going to say this, and then we'll, Deb will put a button on this. With Derek Carr, Derek Carr got a, here's the thing, Chris. Josh McDaniels didn't want Derek Carr, but yet had the nerve to start him because he was pretty good. He was better than Jared Stidham. So Derek Carr knew the writing was on the wall. I could argue back in September, last September, he knew that he was done, but he's a professional. See, people understand, being a professional, he still went out there and did what he did. And the Raiders showed life, but Derek Carr got out of there. And the reality is, when I look at the team like the Jets, the Jets just need someone who's stable. Because to your point, which Zach Wilson are we going to get, Chris? And when we talk about quarterbacks, Chris, if we're talking about the mental aspect of the game, Chris, that's not good. I'm not talking like, you know, issues off the field. I'm talking if he can't figure it out on the field and you grabbed him with the second overall pick. This guy wasn't Mr. Irrelevant. He wasn't he wasn't a low low end draft pick. You draft him in the top 3 to be your franchise, you to be the next Joe Montana, to be the next whatever. You just want this man to be the next Chad Pennington right now. That's it. Because we consider like Chad Pennington was a pretty solid quarterback. Hell, even Vinny Testaverde was a solid quarterback. And Vinny was out there 63 years old, out there slinging. slinging 63. Slinging to Wayne Corbett and Lavernius Cole. So you just want a modicum of what Zach Wilson can be. Derek Carr can give you that. The reality is, Chris, another team, and you mentioned Miami, I'm going to throw another wild card team in there. And it's going to be interesting. Be on the lookout for the New England Patriots. Be on the lookout. Because, listen, even though they got Bill O'Brien in there to help Mac Jones, but the reality is, does Bill Belichick and Bill O'Brien, the two Bills, Feel that Mac is the guy moving forward. Because remember, they they just disagreements on that sideline. Yeah, we we've seen some things on that sideline. Like oh boy, I I we've seen Bill Belichick get in Brady's face, but not that much. Not much in two decades. I mean, the reality is, I'm not saying it happened. I just people just been the lookout for that because I'm just curious to see. How Bill Bill Brown was hired because remember, he's the offensive coordinator in Alabama when Mac Jones was there. So, so he 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 knows better than anybody. If he can't get Mac to play, then Bill's like, well, we got to do something. And here's the thing: you look at Derek Carr's resume. Like to your point, like. I look at Derek Carr and I go, 
you put them on the team with a solid defense. Solid defense. That team's a playoff team. I mean, I mean, here's the reality. Bill Belichick, that team with eight nine, with Mac Jones. All right, all right, America. Let me repeat that again. Eight nine. Nine. Mac Jones. Mac Jones. And then Bailey Zappi showed up, and then, showed up and then it, it was kind of like the middle of vanilla thing. But the point is, point is, so we didn't know who was real, who was not. But the reality is, Chris, the reality is, Chris if you're the New York Jets, and I'll, York, I'll, I'll actually I'll, end the show on the Jets. We never end the show on my team on the show. I'll talk to the producer about that. I don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate it. But. But if you're Robert Sala, you got Nathaniel got Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett. Here's the thing. Nathaniel Here's Hackett was just not hired by Pierre Poulin. Because he worked with Aaron Rodgers. If you're the on the Jets list, Aaron Rodgers is one. And Derek Carr is two. So essentially, if they if they can't get Aaron Rodgers, because they're at at, if the asking price is way too, high, way too high, which is probably why he didn't end up with the, with the Broncos, you go to Derek Carr. And you know why? You can just you know sign him. Because, listen, because the, Raiders, the, Raiders, the Raiders screw themselves over by, by playing. It's like you're playing poker. You showed your hand so everyone knows what to bet or what to or just to fold. You showed your card. So if you're, if you're sitting there, Derek Carr now is sitting with pocket aces and the Raiders sitting there with the seven of clubs and the three of diamonds. They got nothing. When the reality is even the other way around. Hey, just in case, so you know this, if you have a three and a seven, that's still a decent hand. You can uh, you can make some magic happen out of the middle there. Look here, we're talking before the flop. All right, we're not talking when okay. we get to the. We're not talking when we get to the. We're not talking when we get to the to the river. No, we're not doing that. Okay, fair enough. It, yeah, yeah, I, I see your point. Uh, you, you're right. You know, listen. I know. I think that's why you got me. That's why you got me here, man. On the checks and balances. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it feels like that checks that scale needs to be. Uh, Taking it for a shop. When the show goes on hiatus, we'll get that looked at. Because the scales have been looking pretty one-sided, but we're not going to get another. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. As a Jets fan, so, so I'm looking at this two-dimensional. I'm looking at this as a Jets fan, and I'm also looking at this as a coach. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm capable of coaching in the NFL or Division One football. I'm just saying as a coach, as a manager of – of a company. I would rather have Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And here's a couple reasons why. A, Aaron Rodgers is just too loud, too prissy, and just he's, his personality is too much. And what I would fear as a leader and as a coach is that toxicity Seeps through and trickle down to the lower ranks to the rookies, the younger guys, and they pick mm -hmm. up on that. And the next thing you know, instead of having one little turd, now you've got a whole bowl of turds, per se. Uh, two is that when Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play, you can definitely see he doesn't want to play. Yeah, uh, three. And this is going to sound uh, discriminative, 
but you know what? It is what it is. It's his age. I don't want to spend 20, 30, 40 million dollars to get one season out of him for nothing compared to Derek Carr. Number, and like you said earlier, Derek Carr kept his composure together during yeah. the, the breakup. That was completely, and, and that was he went out there and just completely shit the bed with the, with the Raiders, but he didn't. He still went out there every single week and put 100% in 100% of the time. So that shows the fortitude him as, as a man, number one. And that's one thing that I think gets overlooked because this is a game and a sport. His integrity, I would say, is untarnished compared to Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Two, uh, we're going to be able to get Derek Carr at a lower price per year than Aaron Rodgers. We may pay more if we sign Derek, because we'll be able to sign Derek Carr onto a larger contract because, I mean, he's, uh, oh, how old is he? He's only 31. So theoretically, let's just say he's got another six years left and six prime years, prime performing years. And so that would put him at 37 years old. And that's usually when the quarterbacks are really, really coming in for a landing. Um, And so, you know what? Aaron Rodgers may give us one good year, maybe two. uh, Derek Carr can give us consistency for a couple years. And let's just even say we sign him on a six-year bid, and we make the first three to four pretty fat and heavy, and then lean it out on the back end. And that's where maybe Zach Wilson can step back in as a starter. Or he shows his quality – and then we use him as trade bait, Zach Wilson, and and pick something up better for him. I just think that there are more. If if you look at your ROI, and this is something that I will preach to people about investments, cars, homes, fantasy football, your return on investment. Yep. If you are going to put in A and receive B, B needs to be worth more than A. Because if you start operating in the negative, well, you're going to stay in the negative compared to if you operate in the positive and you can continue that growth. And I think that's where the Jets have been doing. Well, Robert Sala comes in, changes the culture of the Jets program, gets them back to an almost competitive level this season. I think with a different quarterback, the AFC East may have been a little bit of a different story. I'm not going to sit here and say we were going to win. I'm not going to say we could have won to the Super Bowl. I bet we could have at least pushed somebody out of the playoffs. Yeah. And, and to your point, before we, before we get out of here, I'll just say this. I just, when you talk about, I think I've, I think I've talked about ORI on this show before. People don't understand. People just look at things in the present, which is fine. But understand, and and to your point, Chris, it goes back to what I talked about earlier in the show and talked about paying quarterbacks. You're looking at Patrick Mahomes when he signed that big deal. The Colts are expecting him to be elite for the duration of that contract. They expect all this money to be 
You gotta be great. You gotta be great. And he's MVP. MVP. So, so, so for Jets fans, so for, for Robert Salt, for Robert Salt, if and I do feel they have Aaron Rodgers' head because they hide the packet. You can get Derek Carr, and Derek Carr may play a one-year deal to try to get that bigger deal. We've seen it done in the NBA. You try to get that shorter contract to get the longer contract. Look look at uh, Evan Ingram from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. He took a flyer on the bill. Yeah. And I think if you're Derek Carr, that might be the route to go. And if it works out with the Jets, I think the Jets will fail. Because the Jets have the cap, they they've done. The Jets have understand. They 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 get it. They're like that. You know, Zach Wilson may not be the guy, but we get Derek Carr for a year. If he can be half of what we think he can be, we're a playoff team. So remember, I'll just throw this out there before. Listen, that AFC East could be a little bit more open. It may not be the one lock the Bills win. That may not be a lot. Lots of people think about that. So, so on so, that, glorious high note. Listen to this episode, every episode of the Sports and the World podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart Music, and wherever you get your podcast. Like, listen, and subscribe. Follow me on the social at Twitter and TikTok at Ladarius underscore Brown and on TikTok. Excuse me. No Instagram is at underscore Brown. I just we're bringing back Sports and the World trivia. Check it out on the socials as well. And until you hear us again next time, I'm Ladarius and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed, and be safe. From all of us here from the sports and the world podcast. See ya.